to On the Edge with April Mahoney Brains. Here, this is the place where the conversation is pointed, the guests are sharp, and the responses are never dull. <laughs> Welcome home, Brains. Coming to you straight from San Diego, California. Let's welcome our host, April Mahoney. Ridiculous. And Patricia, we just went off on a tangent. Brains, welcome. I know. Yeah. So, I went and spoke in Dubai last year. Very interestingly, you'll find this really interesting. So, the king of Dubai has declared or decreed declared decree that he wants Dubai to be the autism capital or hub of the world like he wants and I just you know I don't know but I almost just wonder if he's got a family member or so when you like drive in Dubai you're like you know like you'll be in the car and you'll look up and there'll be like these banners about autism and about like like I was like wow this is like amazing like yeah yeah, yeah, so there's, there's a, such an epidemic and there's such a stigma and mm. there's so many layers to being neurodivergent. And mm. I'm just now getting really comfortable with using that term because it is mm. multifaceted. So tell us exactly. a little bit, uh, Patricia, about your story, your journey and your truth and how you found yourself working in this space. So my, I've always said my big wife, why I do what I do is my son, my older son, right? So he got diagnosed at the age of eight with autism, but I knew something was up when he was younger. Um, and he, well, he's, and so he's really kind of, he is how I got into doing what I was doing because before the, the, that I was a public servant, I worked for the government, but because he required not, not like not as much care as some kids do, but he needed like regular physio, regular OT, regular. So I couldn't work because I had to be taking him to all of these therapies. And what happened was also too, I started like volunteering at a school, like helping like with kids just in the classroom and all that. And I really like I really enjoyed it. And then I thought, okay, well, it's that it's really is because of him that I started doing what I do. Mm-hmm. And then um, I went and I uh, did a qualification to, to become, you know, like a, like to work in special needs, special needs education. Mm-hmm. And then I was working in schools, but then I got increasingly frustrated because when you're working in schools, and it wouldn't be any different in the US, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because uh, is that when you're working in schools, you're a resource, right? So you'll be getting so far with working with a child, but if somebody else comes in with more funding or someone that they deem needs more support, you'll get pulled off working with that child. You don't have to go and work with another child. Now, with kids with autism, consistency, the same person, trust, right. really important. So I actually, one of the reasons why I started my business was so that the child or the family could basically, they could work to me and work with me, sorry, or I could work with them and support their child until they didn't want to work with me anymore. So that was one of the reasons why I did was to give because then I would have parents coming to me like, why aren't you working with my son well, anymore? And I'd is, be like, you know, all of these children have very individualized needs. Mm, exactly. And so you have to tailor your assistance based upon them, their family, the family dynamics, 
that's a lot of heavy lifting and also had a child of your own. Mm. What do you do for self-care, Patricia? How do you just dial back uh, and reset? And who pours into you to keep you strong and keep you motivated? Because that's important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, uh, but I do. I do make sure, like, I have regular massages. Um, we also, too, we go, um, and my son now, like, the, my son, he's now 20. So my boys are now 21 and 19. Uh, they both still live at home, but they're doing really well. They're really happy. Uh, my older son, the one that got the diagnosis when he was younger, he's into music. He's recording and producing his first album. Right. Um, and so, um, yeah, but like I do, like I, do, and we, you know, we make sure like we go on nice holidays. And oh, we, no, no, no. See, you keep, you know, you, know, you keep including we, we, we. Oh, well, oh, no, but I have massages. I have massages. Okay, so I do, good. you know, so you, you go, you have massages, maybe you meditate. I meditate. You, know, do you go out for walks there in Australia, you know, it's beautiful. Yeah. Because yeah. I want people to understand that there's a balance there and that we have to, mm. to delegate. You mm. know, everybody does it in their single parent households. And I'll tell you, mm. in a lot of situations, one of the partners can't handle the weight. What was that? One of the partners. One of the partners can't handle the weight and the relationship. No, that's falls apart. often the case. Yeah, that, a lot of I work with a lot of single moms. Yeah, so a lot. That's what I'm saying. It is a balance. Yeah. Also a sisterhood. It's a way of yeah. Maybe I can take the kids, you know, for the afternoon or or tomorrow, just for you to get some rest. So to build that, mm. incorporate that in the program is so important. And you got to be the facilitator because I know that mm. you're really hard. I know that you mm. are really, really hard. And I'm really, really proud of you. But you were also diagnosed. Mm. Oh, ADHD. Tell me about so, that and explain what it is to have adult ADHD. Yeah, so I got diagnosed, well, it was actually through, it was through my younger son going through the diagnostic process because like I said to you, his brother got diagnosed at eight and and his brother has autism and ADHD. And then at the age of 14, my younger son came to me and he said, oh, mom, I think I might have ADHD autism. Can, you know, I, we go, like, can we look into it? And I said, yeah, sure. And so I took him, like, obviously was going through the diagnostic process for him. And I already suspected April. I already thought maybe, like, I already kind of, and also Chuka's been working in the area. But then when they were seeing them, they were asking, like, my sons the questions, like, oh, for ADHD, I was going, I do that, I do that, that's me, yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, so at the end of the session, I said to the psychotherapist, I said to him, I think I, I said to him, can I make an appointment to come see you? I said, I think I'd like to get assist for ADHD. And he said to me, he said, sure. And he said, but before you come back, go online and answer these questionnaires. So I went online and answered these questionnaires and it was like overwhelming. It was like 97% or something. And I was okay, just like, so, so it explains. For a person that is in this space, that's confused, that doesn't know. I mean, you don't know what mm -hmm. you don't know. What are mm -hmm. some of the general overarching um signs that parents can take note of is it a speech impediment nonverbal not making eye contact i don't know what would you suggest yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah and you know it's hard because you can be 
completely verbal and complete i mean you know like that's that's the issue is that and also too females are much harder to diagnose than males because females do what we call masking right so that females from a young age they know some and like me looking back now i realize and i put it down to the fact that like i always had difficulty making friends reading social cues things like that and i thought it was because we moved around a lot. My dad was a diplomat and we moved around a lot. Like I went to primary school in New York, for example, then I went to school in the Philippines. Then, you know, so like, like, and living in a lot of different, like culturally, like, you know, America to Australia is different culturally. And so is Australia to the Philippines. So I was living, you know, in culture, you know, so I put down to the fact that I moved a lot. But then when I got diagnosed, I realized that no, I actually did have difficulty, but girls mask, so they'll know something's up, but they'll they'll like mimic other girls' behaviors. They'll watch other girls. It's they'll... hormones. <laughs> no. We have no. something that distract us, but you know, so it's different, and each child is different. But and mm. I don't know. Correct me because you know the numbers much better than I do. Uh, mm. Do we find oh. that it is more impactful on boys? And within what the last ten or fifteen years, these diagnoses are really um, mm. increasing. It's just that we've gotten we've gotten better diagnosing. Like I said, so females used to get missed, so therefore that's one reason why the the rates have gone up, and a lot more adults are getting diagnosed. Because what typically happens is that when the child, like what happened with me, when the child gets diagnosed, the parent starts looking at themselves and they start going, "Oh, I have difficulties with that," or you know, like when they're going through the process and then they kind of go, oh, maybe, because it is genetic. There's, it's environmental, genetic. Like there's environmental factors like trauma and that come into it as well, but it's definitely genetic, right? Like, And so then parents, kind of, they start looking at themselves and they go, oh, maybe, wow. like especially. So, Patricia, let me talk about your organization. It is a prof. What what did you call it again? It is a. It's a profit with a cause, and I'll tell you the reason why why I called it profit with a cause. One of my main um, aims that I want to do is um, I want to be able to go and work, uh, like uh, present, speak in in continents like africa so like in countries in africa or you know even if we use places like south america as an example where where knowledge of neurodiverse being neurodivergent particularly autism is very limited there's a lot of abuse that happens with children who are autistic in some of the countries of africa you know uh, spoken uh, to people in countries in Africa. So what I want to be able to do is I want to be able to go there and speak, but without having to be paid. So basically pro bono, so that I can, so that I can spread awareness, create, you know, spread awareness, uh, educate, uh, you know, um, all the things like I, my vision, like my vision of people look at my website says there that I want people with, uh, when you're a divergent to be accepted, integrated, sorry, to be accepted, integrated, and recognized as valuable and contributing members of society, right? So that's what really drives me is that acceptance right. and that and contribution. But, so know, I want to... But I'll tell you this, just from my perspective, it's a whole different cultural thing there. Mm. No, it's know, very and I, different. And I, and I will say, and I'm not saying all, I'm not saying in general, but there is a degree of 
natural, uh, spiritual medicine. Mm-hmm. Or whatever. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there they is, feel yeah. that there is something that they don't understand or they're special. Mm. So you got your work cut out for you mm. to other companies. And I said, yeah. there's nothing wrong with you still have expenses that you have to cover, you know, absolutely, yeah, pro bono. But getting the message out, marketing, promotion, mm. um, you know, communication, websites, content, all of that mm. is valuable. So I say, brings writer a check, okay, a nice little five thousand dollar check, and I will give you a free interview and a promotional package because. She needs some working capital. She's a single mother, even though, you know, one of her sons is pretty much grown. He still needs support. She still needs support. Let's support women in business because she is trying to help and make it easier for mothers who are struggling and trying to get through and trying to make it uh, more conducive for the lives of their children. Serious work. Thanks, Patricia. Thank you. Patricia, give me a couple great takeaways, and a success story. A family that maybe you're working with or somebody you've inspired that uh, has really found benefit from working with you and your program and that you're proud of. You don't have to give any names, but give us a great situation that makes you feel warm and fuzzy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, One thing that I'm very proud of is one of my support workers that work that work for me now as a support worker, supporting children with autism and ADHD, was actually a client of mine when she was going through high school. So I have provided support to her since she was 13 years old. And she's now 19, nearly 20. And when she was coming towards the end of her high school years, like I, I think that she'll be a fantastic counselor or psychologist one day. And I said to her, but she didn't want to go to university straight away. And, you know, and also to sometimes, you know, how we were talking about the education system. Um, she did like here in, in Australia, I don't know what it's like in the United States, but you've got to like, if you want to go to uni, you have to do like a certain package at high school. And then if you don't want to go to uni, you do different. And she did the package where like, where you don't go to university because it's less stress, right? Because people with autism and ADHD often suffer from more stress and anxiety. So she might go to university later on. And and so I, when she was coming towards the end, I said to her, I think you would be an amazing support worker. And one of the reasons why is because she's gone through this journey herself. She went through the bullying uh social there's you know social issues reading social cues all that all those things while she was in high school and you know i coached her through all that i supported her through all that i'm sorry to interrupt but you use this term and i want to understand what that means uh social cues they miss social cues what does that mean so 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 social cues are like you know uh like if you and i are having an interaction I might look at your body language. So like if you were just like if I was talking and I was boring you, you might look away or you might start playing with your fingernails or something. And then I'll pick up a social cue that oh, maybe I'm going on too much or something. But with people with autism, they find social cues really difficult to read and they won't necessarily pick up on that. Or also like we know you probably do know this, typically they have difficulty with eye contact, right? So um that but that's what I mean by social cues. Oh. So 
So, I mean, that's, you know, really kind of brief, but yeah, they won't pick up on like the nuances that we'll have, like when we're having a verbal, you know, conversation um, or, uh, you know, or if people are getting maybe angry. Okay. And I know I keep drilling down, but I'm really trying to understand this. This is diagnosed as a mental health issue, correct? Is there Uh something not firing in the brain? Uh, Is it a... What is the best way to kind of work with children? Because everybody on the spectrum, it's it's different. They're just uh, April. They're divergent. They're it's neuro. They're different brains. Okay, they're just. And you know, like we're talking about your audience, how we we refer to your audience as brains, right? They are different, differently wired brains. They just work differently, and really. The world is not set up to support these people. Like, you know, I was talking about the education system, uh, you know, shopping centres. We look at all the things. We go to sporting events, everything. The world is not set up for, so, like, they'll have, like, sensory issues. So they might find really loud noise really difficult or some will find lighting difficult. Some will find textures difficult. And that you like, you know, going back to what I was saying to you about schools, we need to change the environment. If we start changing the environment, then then neurodivergent people will really start to thrive and and start to do well and start to succeed. Okay, so when you say and, change the environment, uh, let me ask you this. Is it more of a individualized learning base? You know, I got some friends that have yes. that go to, you know, you pretty much have a, a tutor the whole time. You have your own or you yeah. teach, comes up a curriculum. Uh, yeah. What What do you mean by better educational system? Have more people? Well, you know, I mean, we can, for a start. Sorry, I didn't. But for a start, we can. But one, um, I don't, I don't know about in the U.S., but in Australia, and the degree, like when people go to become a primary school teacher or a secondary school teacher, there's there's um, there is very little information around. Uh, teaching kids with autism, ADHD, dyslexia, dysgraphia, dyspraxia, Tourette's, OCD, these are all the conditions, ODD, uh, you know, this would have been a few that well, I haven't mentioned there. A doctor's degree, if they're going to go and do all that, isn't that Mike? No, but no, 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 it's about learning to communicate, teaching stuff, but then it's also environmental, like, fluoresc- like if I use fluorescent lights as an example, which is a really basic example, many neurodivergent kids can they make fluorescent lights make a sound. Lots of neurodivergent kids can hear that sound. Really? Then if they're trying to focus on what the teacher is saying, they can't block that sound out. For some people, like the dyslexic people, often light affects them. So the fluorescent lights, again, basic example, if we got rid of fluorescent lights in classrooms and changed the lighting, it can be really simple things, just changing the environment. Yes, smaller classrooms, absolutely. Allowing kids to move when they're learning. So if I, I've got an example of, a, of a, a child in primary school that I work with, that for her to learn, she, for when the teacher's doing, you know, like floor time and she's teaching a concept, this young lady will get up and draw. But while she's drawing and she's focusing because she has ADHD, she's actually taking in the information that the teacher is saying, right? But she takes herself to the back of the classroom and starts drawing the teacher's teaching. Now, that's because that teacher is aware. There are other teachers that would make that child come and sit back down. And then that child is not going to learn because they can't, uh, they, they, they then can't um, create an environment for their busy brain that needs to be able to draw while the teacher is, is, is because there's, there's this thing called stimming, right? 
So, and what stimming is, is what neurodivergent people do to calm their nervous system down. And like the drawing can be a stim. A stimming can also be twirling your hair, can be jiggling your leg, can be clearing your throat constantly, can be spinning, could be biting your fingernails, could be playing it's with just, cuticles. It's, but it's, it's a lot. Stim, it's a lot. And I really feel, I feel for uh, the parents and the teachers because they have to work together to mm. try to bring this mm. individual that didn't ask to be here into a mm. sense of normalcy to allow them mm. to become an and regulation. Right, but to become an independent yeah. contributor to society. Mm. I don't want to be here and be a burden. You know, I, no. look, I look at other um, people that have challenges. Like uh, I have a girlfriend that her daughter and son-in-law just got married and they're dwarfs. They are the cutest thing ever. I've got uh, another, uh, uh, sorry, little people gotta be politically correct then i have another couple that i know that just got married and they are 87 years old wow uh and um i know another uh couple that got married and uh, they both have down syndrome so mm. there's love and support and independence you know they're mm. just in a different type of shell but we do mm. need to support them we do need to support you as the teachers it's not an easy job. You've only got this child six hours, seven hours, and if you're lucky, a year, six months, mm. and then they're mm. on to another teacher, a different learning environment. And from what I hear and understand is that consistency and repetition is really important to them. Once you mm. bring their environment or something mm. that they're used to and comfortable with, then you have a different, you know, you got a different set of circumstances. My mm. niece works with autistic children and they do horse therapy here. Mm. Yeah. Plus you horse therapy and uh, animals, you know, they bring in the dogs and they have goldfish and they have a gardening. They have other ways for them to um, express themselves. But she said mm. she has one little boy that's a real challenge, a real mm. challenge. And, you know, she's just his aide. So it's hard. So let's ask you some fun mm. questions because we've been all serious about that. <laughs> What's your favorite kind of music? Oh, I like I like all sorts of music, but I really like I like dance dance music. I um probably particularly like eighties music because I was a teenager in the eighties. But yeah, dance music like happy, you know like uplifting, happy. Uh, I don't mind a bit of rap because my older son, uh, as I was saying, she, well, I was, I was telling you a bit about my well, older son. But sometimes I do like gangster rap, like uh, DMX. Yeah, but my, my <laughs> older son is, is, my older son's writing and producing his first album and it's rap. He's a rapper. All right, now. Uh, and see, this is the you thing about. You let me know when it's C so I can play it. So you be sure to let me I know will. when his music comes I will. Out. All right, so let's um, talk to you. Uh, what's your favorite type of ice cream? Oh, I like, love pistachio gelato. Mm. So, you know, gel yeah, so pistachio, hazelnut. Um, yep. <laughs> what is, uh, what's your guilty pleasure? Uh, that pistachio ice cream? <laughs> Yeah, and chocolate. I like do like chocolate. You like chocolate. Um, yeah. 
if you were an appliance in the kitchen, Patricia, what appliance would you be? Oh my goodness. That's a good question. I don't know. Uh, maybe the coffee machine, because I love coffee. Coffee? Okay, that'd be good. I'd be the ice maker. I just want to check. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's if a good you were one. a flower in the garden, what flower would you be? Oh, the first thing that came to mind was a rose because I like the smell, but then I also like sunflowers too. And part, my, my logo for my business is a sunflower because they're bright and they're happy and they're, yeah. you know how sunflowers have the big face. and They the, do, they do. Yeah. They pollinate. Yeah. They, and that's the kind yeah. of you seem like you are, is it? You spread seeds of love. And we appreciate you and we value you so much. How to get in contact with you. So on my socials, uh, so Facebook, Facebook is Patricia Falchetta. Instagram is Patricia Falchetta Official. LinkedIn is Patricia Falchetta as well. Uh, I have two websites, uh, the first one being www.sociallivingsolutions, with an S on the end, .com.au, and the other one being www.patriciafalchetta.com. Um, yeah, and you know, always all like your contact information in the back because I'm telling you, brains, I want to do it a point and a click. I want to make it easy for you, I want to make it easy for her, Patricia. Thank you so much for being on the show. Um, again, you do great work, and I think that you're an amazing woman and mother, and I'm glad that you're able to be in this space to help others. Okay, thank you. All right, bye, brains. Thank you.